Why, hello there. If you don't already recognize my sultry voice, this is DJ Art of the High Score 510 Podcast. First of all, I would like to thank you for listening to our show. Second of all, I want to remind you with a shameless plug of our Patreon page. Join our growing community and help support an indie podcast. The perks of being a patron, you ask? Number one, you'll get our weekly quick hitters. Number two, you'll get feature conversations that are too hot for our regular show. And number three, we cannot leave out number three, why Jesus will bless you. So go check out patreon.com backslash highscore510. And for the price of a tall pumpkin spice latte, you can help DJ Art get the newest choker from Claire. Wait, who, who wrote this? Who wrote, who wrote this? Seriously. That's fucked up, man. This isn't a choker. Is is real pearls, bitch. Regardless of which, we appreciate your support and hope you enjoy the show. You are listening to High School Fabulous, where sports is the plane, comedy is the pilot, and the sweet Jeeva is our chest. Please sit back and enjoy the ride. You know, Glory. Don't forget that one. Glory was good. So, I thought, I but thought see, he, was a little, he was younger, though, but he was, uh, he was a little more emphatic uh, in that. Man, I don't know. When he threw that, through his back, his hand on that thing, and they started whipping him, and that tear rolled down, that was insane. See, what? One tear? One tear. See, but that's the thing. He's what dead. slave tear? Yeah. <laughs> we'll, take, we'll take Denzel being Denzel, but what about Michael B. Jordan being Michael B. Jordan? It ain't that good. <laughs> He did do well. He did well at Fruitvale Station right after they shot him. <laughs> I, th- I thought he deserved the Oscar for that. I was like, man, he deserved the Oscar. <laughs> Two times I thought he deserved a, some kind of award. Now after that, and after he when he played Wallace and got shot, and I was like, oh man, you see the he way he lying there? <laughs> you see the way he lying there? I don't even know. I don't even know if he alive. Give him an award. <laughs> Hi, Quinn. I'm Piedro. Hi, Piedro. Very nice to meet you. Yeah. Uh, nice to meet you, too. And um, I'm glad that Jared told me that we are having a guest today. You didn't say nothing to me. All right, listen. Uh, another thing, Quinn, is I kind of run this show uh, uh, with... Uh, I keep these guys in the dark sometimes on things. Mm. All right, all right. I, I don't, I don't know why. Keeps keeps us in the light with bad movies. Say, hey, let's review this terrible movie today. Oh, I can't wait! I can't wait. So you want me to just watch a movie the day before, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Pedro only okay. watched black exploitation movies, and uh... well, I used to watch the black exploitations. I haven't watched. I don't watch a lot of television. Period. Mm-hmm. Especially during the pandemic. Y'all I was about to say, me... how are you surviving during the pandemic? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what we were all then. doing. <laughs> well, <laughs> most of my day goes to driving, and most of my time mm. goes to driving. Mm. So I don't, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and when I get here, these, these guys here are bugging me to get on a video game with them, so I don't watch anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you watch YouTube sometimes. The page was like, oh, all right, I'm done. I'm uh, done. Yeah, I do a lot, of, but that's, that's basically little yeah. episodes of. Mm-hmm. Watch a lot of car stuff on. Or, or are you watching YouTube. that dude evaluate cars like Kardashians? 
Who's that? He was, he was uh, talking about the, the BMW SUV. Oh, like, no, it was, Mercedes, it was the Mercedes. Oh, it was the Mercedes. That yeah. was a viral moment. He, <laughs> he needed, he needed, he was out there clout chasing. What's his name? Got his, Matt Ferrer, I think. Yeah, he and equated he the Mercedes just, SUV to what the Kardashians love interest. He's use, useless black man. <laughs> he said, it's it's big, big, it's black, big, no. big, black, and it's useless. Wow. <laughs> oh. And I'm I'm like literally going through all those black men in their lives trying to find one that doesn't fit that description. <laughs> even the even the ones that come in that aren't useless end up useless. Let's so. <laughs> count them. Oh, uh, Ray J. Oh. Forget he was useless it. before. Useless. Yeah. I mean, that should be, I mean that should he, be the he propelled all of them though, so he's that, got some use. That should be the content. That should be the is, were they useless before or useless after? Um, Lamar, all the basketball players. Lamar Odom. Lamar, you know, he's it. big, black, and useless. Mm -hmm. and useless. Uh, he meant something a while ago until he started dabbling in all those uh, gas so, station sex drugs. Narcotics. Yeah, all the narcotics. <laughs> You're trying gas station drugs with yeah. regular drugs and, and like, that don't mix. Them billy goat pills. I'm pretty sure his uh, his illegal street pharmacist would have told him, hey, dude, don't mix that with any gas station drugs. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's sad when your illegal narcotics probably were more pure than your gas station drugs you took with it. They start speaking to you in pharmaceutical lingo. <laughs> like, mm -mm. Yeah. That's, when your street pharmacist is like, hey, man, I might have to go with you to the hospital if you're going to mix that together. They give you an like, emergency adrenaline shot. <laughs> just like, take this, man. I don't trust you. Take this. Yeah, just take this with take this Narcan this with you. Just in case, man. You're going to mix it with that. Oh Gas station. God. <laughs> Useless after. Poor yeah, fella. and Kanye. Kanye was already kind of going off the deep end. Um, I mean, yeah. Once he, when, him even getting with Kim was like, oh, he's yeah, gone. You knew yeah. it. You knew it already. Yeah, you, you worried about his mental health before, and then they but just, you were still like, you know what? He could pull it together. You get the right people around you, mm -hmm. and then as soon as that happened, you're like, oh no. Nope. <laughs> Train wreck. Wait, who else? Tyga. Oh, he definitely used. He was useless before because she was <laughs> underage. Mm. Ben Simmons was messing around. Keeps getting used up by the other one. That's Bro, not his jump player. shot is useless. <laughs> there you go. Hey, if you look at his scoring average, that's also useless right now. That, that motherfucker is shooting four shots a game, averaging like eight Ooh. points. He was doing much better before. He was doing much better before. What's the uh? What's the, what's um? The other basketball player who is Tristan. Tristan, Tristan Thompson. Thompson. You know, he's yeah. a hero. He's a local legend because he's been uh, doing better. Jared, you got to hear Jared's opinion. I don't know where yeah. Jared gets this from. Go he, ahead, he Jared. He's the only one to go to the Kardashians and end up coming out smiling and not broken down afterwards. Have you seen his face? He looks like he is dying of alcoholism. <laughs> he probably is because he's still going out partying. He's like, I'm going to get her pregnant. I ain't going to trip off it. And I'm going to keep cheating on her with other people. You know, they have that Kennedy curse, and it, but it comes all on them and they just die. Yeah. <laughs> Tragic yeah. ways. This Kardashian curse, it puts it on other, other people. Like <laughs> They keep gaming. It's like a deal with the devil. They keep gaming and they just, mm -hmm. they're just like being in a room full of succubus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. take sucky your fire or succubus? That's what I'm saying. A succubus is most plural, right? Succubus. I don't know. Succubus. Yeah, maybe succubus. As for Tristan Thompson, he's the one who, who got out of there and didn't come out 
broken afterwards. He's the only one. Like, you think about it. Like, even Miles mm-hmm. Austin. Miles Austin set a record in one game, had a breakout season, started dating uh, Kardashian. <laughs> Next season, man, he's like, man, I only made it through six games where my hamstring exploded. <laughs> That's like, true. Bro. I forgot all about Miles Austin. He came and he would look like he his star. Was, he came out of nowhere and had, like, two great years. You saw this growth and you were like, wow, this mm-hmm. is great. Then he used that startup dated Kim and then next to you know, I've never seen Miles Austin since. <laughs> what about Reggie? Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush. Dated Kim Kardashian. <laughs> is he is he tore up his knee? Oh. He tore up his knee and his team won the Super Bowl after he tore up his knee. He didn't do nothing. Oh, not only that, they took all his trophies. <laughs> and then he got his trophies. <laughs> all his college, all his, 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 what is it? The, uh, the Heisman. Heisman. Yeah, no, Heisman. So here's the crazy thing. So what happened, what happened to that? Didn't they give him back? No, or, he didn't get him or, back. Are they getting back? So yeah. His name is off the Heisman thing. It's just like it didn't exist. Ooh. I think they were having discuss, discussions in, um, in the council because no, of um, I think they said the they're going to give rule. the team, they're gonna yeah. give the team wins, but back they're not giving the trophy back. Oh. No, that's the like If they give it back, they're going to give it back to Kim. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Kim going to get it. She's going to put he that up to give there. it back to somebody, but he deserved it that year. She's going she gonna to put it on her shelf Definitely with the is. influencer awards she be getting. <laughs> got a Heisman and all these influencer awards. Yeah. Oh, man. She definitely has a shelf of something, though. Mm-hmm. Old heads, old heads, something. <laughs> the best voodoo priestess can't figure that one out. <laughs> that's what OJ, is. he was the first. OJ, that's maybe that's the that's, curse of OJ. Yeah, that's that's yeah, cur- it's the curse of OJ. Yep. <laughs> the curse of a rental James. And, and you know, yeah, it is because yeah, OJ truth. And it's all black men that end up getting the curse. And OJ was like, I'm not black, I'm OJ. And they're like, oh, okay. Yep. Rich, powerful black men <laughs> that come into this household, we'll mm-hmm. show you. Behind every great black man is the police. <laughs> Exactly. That's why I don't say nothing bad to OJ to this day. <laughs> nothing bad about him. I, I agree with him. He's still looking for the murderers. Yeah. <laughs> I, hey, I, I offered to volunteer. I'm trying to make a little extra cash. If I end up finding one of them. All right. Well, uh, are y'all ready to start the show? Let's do it. All right. Well, uh, we're going to go grab back today. I didn't get any new sound bites, so since you are our guest, uh, Quinn, I need a letter. X. X. Oh, that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the game is, but it sounded hard. So let's do this. X. X. <laughs> uh, uh, Xanadu. Xylophone. Xenophobia. Excrement. That's an E. That <laughs> happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Cholo. Oh Cholo. It's a Taqueria in Oakland. Shout out sponsorship. Oh, Zolo, man, not Cholo. But it's an X. Cholo. <laughs> X, so it's like Zo. Give like yourself Zyra, a magic moment. Like you can't go see Cholo. Yeah. <laughs> no C, there's no troll sound. That's how they say it. That's why you do uh, 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 X-Mess, because it's got the sk- in it, right? No. Is that a magic moment? Right, so magic moment. Quinn, if you know what a magic moment yeah. is. Uh, it's where one of us pronounces something uh, terribly wrong, or we say a wrong word. Like that's like. Mm-hmm. And you'll be it. hearing it from me and Aaron a lot. <laughs> yeah, it started. I don't know it's... how to talk at all. <laughs> These LA brothers love Magic Johnson, and Magic Johnson, as you know, has certain um, issues with understanding how to pronounce words or when to pluralize them or not to. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you hear this, this means that one of us has been called out. This magic moment. 
There we go. I got a magic moment for myself just to start it off the way I like. Um, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the High Score 510 podcast. You can catch us at High Score 510 on Instagram, YouTube, and not the Twitter, but uh, check out Hipster Horcrux Chronicles on Twitter. You can also email the show at highscore510.fans at gmail.com. Aside from that, we are here with. Uh, this is Aaron Grayson. <laughs> And I'm coming, uh, also known as AG3. I'm coming at you faster than a, uh, than a sane black man running away from the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here we go. Let's see. Uh, what color you want, Aaron? What color? You oh, it's color. Uh, give me teal. I mean, you, you beating up on a man. You putting a man in a hospital. How come I don't see no marks on you? Yeah, because I'm a karate man. All right? Karate man bruise on the inside. They don't show their weaknesses. But you don't know that because you're a big Barry White looking motherfucker. <laughs> and we are here with. Hello, everyone. It's your favorite captain, Captain P Funk, anybody's favorite truck driver. I'm just trying to meet the big Kardashian. <laughs> big as in height? Big as in. Whatever one weighs the most. <laughs> uh, get yourself by. A buxom woman with, with big breasts? <laughs> There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Big, big breasts. Big breasts. And <laughs> we are here with our guest today. Hey, it's Quinn Perry. I don't have anything catchy to say, but uh, it's me. Oh, that's perfectly fine. That's catchy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. and, and do you have a uh, a particular um, soundbite uh, color that you would like? I'm, I am green all the time. Money green. Watch it be so inappropriate. Be careful. <laughs> you gotta watch out what you wish for. Coons. Well, raccoons trying to get on our back porch. Mama just chasing them off with a broom. <laughs> okay. I need clarification on that one. <laughs> and, uh, and my name is Jared, a.k.a. DJ Art. With two T's for a double dose of that tink tink. The D is silent, so it's just Jart. And let's go with red cone oh <laughs> the one without context <laughs> i've known you for some time now man uh, like over 20 years i'd say right yeah probably what way over 20 25 mm-hmm. ish yeah, probably. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, 20 plus years. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. young and still cute and adorable at the time. So <laughs> it was fair. You know, I was. All right. All right. Yeah. Qu- Quinn. No, so there's, Quinn, there's a reason. There's a reason why. There's a reason. I always say there's a reason why baby everything's are so cute and adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Jared would have came out how he is now. Nobody would have raised him. <laughs> Even alligators are cute when they're born. And you're like, oh, I can have that as a pet. That's nice. Look cute. <laughs> I can take oh, no, no, and not everything. Baby chick, baby chicks, uh, wait a minute, not baby chicks, but like birds. Like, you're talking about soon as they born, even babies ain't cute. Soon as they no. that's true. Only my mama, the oh, only man. mother who so, would say, Yeah, 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 you looked ugly as soon as you was born when they took you out. My mom, <laughs> she can't lie. Just to let you know, Quinn, my mom has a problem lying. She cannot do it. No I, matter I appreciate what. that type of person, honestly. It's great. It's great to meet that type of person. Horrible to be raised by a woman. <laughs> no, she was. She was great at raising me. No, she was a great mother. But the fact that she cannot, she refuses to tell a lie. She was like, "Yeah, all you guys are ugly as soon as you're born." 
Well, at least I know babies are really ugly as soon as they come out. Mm-hmm. It's true. Man, baby roaches, are they cute? I don't think a roach come out as a baby. I think a roach just come out, a full-grown roach. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, my of roaches, they just in the kitchen. Yeah, they come out full-grown in the kitchen. That's Where's what the doing. sugar and the Kool-Aid? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so i uh, been knowing you some time, and... Uh, Tell us about yourself. You know, what, what is it you do? And, 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 and I, you know, I haven't seen you in, in years, but you live in L.A. So how are you handling the pandemic living down in SoCal currently? Oh, man. Well, the pandemic is outrageous down here. They have called us ground zero. So we are mm. back to step zero, which is we are holed up. Um, it's me, my husband and my son. We're all just in the house. I mean, we go outside and get some exercise every now and then, but we are in the house so it's it's hard well what is it what is it you do for a profession and is it how is this affecting your profession are you able to maintain your work Uh, so luckily i i'm a screenwriter which means that i have always kind of worked from home on my own schedule my own time um and so i haven't been too affected by that the biggest effect that I've, I've experienced is that having my, my kid not go to school anymore means that he's like up in my business all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he's actually giving me glaring at me right now because he's up in my business. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> my husband's home now. He's a principal, so he's doing his job from home. So it's just all of us in the house trying to not be too loud on our Zoom calls or, you know, trying to figure out how to coexist with each other. But as far as actual work goes, I am one of the lucky people that life hasn't been too disrupted. I've been able to write and we still are able to take meetings and over Zoom. So it's, it's, it's really different. I feel like you know, to be in a meeting and to kind of give your charisma and, you know, you have this energy when you're there in, in real life that doesn't always come across on the Zoom. Yeah. Um, but you do you do the best you can do. Do you write for a certain type of genre of screenwriting, like in a special genre of what you're writing, what you would say it is? Yeah, I mean, so, so far my writing has mostly been for uh, feature writing and... <laughs> It's gone, it's gone pretty well so far, I'd say. Um, I usually tend to write about stories that revolve around women, almost always women of color, particularly black women from various points in history. All of them have so far been about American black women that have like become powerful or you know, stories that we haven't heard before. But I am now sort of trying to get my foot into television because that is where the real money is. I don't think that people actually tend to realize that because you think about features, you think about, you know, Steven Spielberg blockbuster, it's made $500 billion. That that, yeah. that writer must be just, you know, set for life, but it's like the real money is over in, in TV. Yeah. So I have a couple so of things that, that I'm working on. <laughs> network it's TV, true. network TV is like king. It's true. And, and I have mean, a hard time believing that. And especially if your writing's, uh, you know, like for an hour long, I mean, you're basically mm. doing the same amount of work that you would for a feature anyway, with that mm. one script. And then you've got that one script times nine times 12 over seasons. So mm-hmm. again, it goes into syndication or, you know, whatever. So I'm, I'm sort of making that trying to, I don't want to say make a transition because that makes it sound like I will never do features again. I'm trying to do both, but mm. I'm trying to get into TV. 
Uh, and what got you into uh, screenwriting in the first place? What was that? Oh, man. So I came down to L.A. from the Bay um, to do screenwriting. I mean, to do uh, my, my master's degree at USC in film. And I was sort of more in the I ended up getting my Ph.D. there and it's in the academic side of film. I was supposed to go on and become a professor. Mm-hmm. And so the longer that I was in that program, the more disillusioned I became with academia in general. So I sort of dipped my feet into what disillusioned people, women <laughs> dip their feet into in LA, which is roller derby. Uh-huh. And <laughs> that took me, oh my goodness, that opened my world. It was amazing. And I actually ended up, it's amazing how many sort of industry people are in, in roller derby. Everything, like every different part of, of Hollywood industry, we have those sorts of people that were there. So I ended up reading uh, the woman that would end up becoming my, my feature writing partner through roller derby. And it's funny because you're supposed to get all these connections through school. Like that's one of the reasons that people pay for film school. It's very, very expensive, but uh, they pay for film school because you have the connections there that's where you get your connections and I was like man somehow through roller derby I'm getting way more connections straight into the industry than I than I am at school so my feature writing partner you know approached me and she's like a showrunner she's been working in the industry for 30 years she approached me with this project that was centered around a black female lead and also, you know, a black female experience uh, during the 1960s. She asked me if I wanted to, if I'd be interested. And I was like, absolutely, like, this is it. And so we wrote this, she, she had a lot of confidence in me. She was shooting a show in Australia and she was like, okay, go write it. And I was like, what? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to write, know, write a screenplay. And she, and she was like, I'll, you know, I'll help you. We'll, we'll bounce things back and forth. And I was like, uh, okay. She sent me to her agent, sent me to her real agent. It was like, go pitch it to them. And I was like, I don't know how to pitch something to somebody. <laughs> and so I go and I pitched it and I, I actually did well. And it felt more natural than anything else I had been doing. Like, I was just like, this is what I'm missing from my getting this PhD. It's, I'm missing this sort of like human interaction with people. And uh, we wrote we wrote the screenplay. We went around town and we pitched it to so many different places and it ended up with um, Forrest Whitaker's company. And now it's with Lionsgate, Pharrell is attached to it and it has a director, like it's, I mean, it's moving. So it's still, everything still feels like it's at a snail's pace. Um, production hell is what they call it, but it's, mo- it's moving along. And in the meantime, we've been doing the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, so. Okay. You get to meet Forrest Whitaker? I haven't met him yet. I have not met him yet, but um, I am looking forward to that. I have I had another project with Carrie Washington, and I have met her. So that's the one. Oh, cool. Yeah, she's she's a very nice lady. She has beautiful skin. Well, you know, I look like Forrest Whitaker, so you can just say you know. <laughs> I don't know that this. I'm sure we're going to get into this later, but that's how a lot of black casting goes. Like we need a black guy, Forrest Whitaker. Then, yeah. <laughs> cast for that role so jingle jangle we need somebody to sing Forrest Whitaker Major, you might miss you might have missed your calling man you can use your, your looking like Forrest Whitaker well I did use my uh looking like Bill Duke uh, to get by on some some yeah that, some that helped you in the early 80s that don't help you. 
I tried to get in Hollywood because I tried to tell the producer, you know, I look like the back of Forrest Whitaker's neck, but it didn't work. <laughs> that is a real niche role. They could have cast me as someone coming from Sierra Leone. They know that. <laughs> oh my God. I had a question. So um, what do you do to come up with uh, creativity being that everything is like so PC, like for for instance, the feminine, the feminine um, movement, and you got um, like everybody's doing a left left leaning movement in Hollywood. So, how do you come up with creativity when it comes to you know um, political issues? I guess I feel like the the thing that has been the most eye opening to me is how much how many hands are in your projects. So you can write whatever you want to write and it is going to be shaped and reshaped and reshaped and reshaped a million times and you know <laughs> until until it actually makes its way to the screen. So sometimes especially with with some some of these like I, I'm I'm surprised some of these things have made its way to screen. Like what did we recently watch? Um it was like a very sort of like right black there. revolutionary like kill whitey film. It, it didn't come out around the same time. Like, it's like, right, it came out like a month ago, maybe. Oh, a month ago. You talking about the movie that just came out? Was was it about Philadelphia, the Philadelphia bombing? Um, no, because that barely is about Black people. Okay. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, some they, movies like that, I understand. Yes, I know which black one you're talking about. about yeah. black people. They yeah. use a Black person as a prop in that one. There's that Fred Hampton movie that's coming out now too, which I'm also mm -hmm. surprised. Okay, let's use that one. Okay, yeah, Fred Hampton. No, right. that's the one I'm thinking about. That's the one right. I don't know if it's out yet, but that was the one that Fred Hampton. I think it's coming out very soon, but like it should, I'm, I'm surprised that, that that they have, that they made that one. Cause it is, it's agitation, you know? And, and, mm -hmm. and, and though, when it goes that far, you know, I think your creativity can really be cycled at the at the beginning stages of your thing because they're mm. like, no, we will never make that. It's way too political. It's way too too much of an agitation. Mm. But regardless of that, the main thing is you can't let your creativity be stifled. No matter what, there's going to be seven thousand hands in it until you know along the mm. way. Mm. So you just got to start with what stimulates you, which what what provokes you. Yeah, and then they'll mm. keep reshaping it. I hate you give. No, okay, would you classify way, that? Way more. Would you classify that one as being propped, like you said? Oof. Like what movies would you classify as they used the black person as a prop more than it was really about black people? Not the hate you give, because that actually is about entirely it's about black people. Yeah. I can't, what is the name of that? I mean, the black prop is Something. what is the name of that? The one that we're talking about with uh Sasha Baron Cohen playing um he played Abby Hoffman. It just came out like three months Trial ago. Chicago yes, that one. That one used a black person as a prop because actually when they advertised that movie, you, you really thought that this was really going to be about all the different aspects of the, mm -hmm. of the, of the Chicago 7 um, trial, but it's really just about the white people in that trial. And they, they use that black character just for sensationalism. Like, oh, like the yeah. blind side. <laughs> that might be, you know yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> that movie. That movie ruined Oscar that man's career. Winning ruined. movie. I don't understand that either. And it ruined his it didn't ruin his career, but it put too much some standards on it that shouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That movie had me tripping. I was like, wait, so his story and how great it was got 
Sandra Bullock in awards? Yes. <laughs> yeah. He was the one that was homeless and did all the work, but somehow she deserves a thank you for what she did for him, but his story was the story. Yes. I mean, that's that's the typical white savior narrative that we have seen for decades and decades and decades. Mm-hmm. But now they're now they're I feel like Hollywood is cautious of that. And they're like, oh well. We really want to make that movie, but we got to figure out a way to to change it so it's not the typical white savior narrative. And if you watch Trial of Chicago Seven, uh-huh. you will see the new way that they are doing it, and it is through a prop, and and that is exactly what that character is. And that who who is that character? It's not. Oh, it's Bobby yeah. Seal in that. Bobby movie. Seal. There we go. I mean, his story is so interesting. Like, let's yeah. give me some more background on that. And it's just. They literally just mm. used him in that scene. They used him in the movie so that they could tie him up yeah. in, in the court. And we could be like, oh my God, how could they do that? Look at how racist yeah. these, you know, these black people, he's a prop. And that's that's the most sensational part of the movie. And then he's gone. Like he's he's in an eighth of the movie. Yeah. Just for that moment. So well, since, since 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 they're moving away from the white savior, is there a way I could get into screenwriting? Because I got some ideas. Like, I want to move away from the white savior narrative and go to the Kardashian savior narrative, right? <laughs> like, can Hollywood point me in that direction? And it'll be, but I don't I don't want it to be reality based. This is this is scripted television. Well, how does how does it work? How does the Kardashian savior narrative go? Because they don't seem to be saving people; they seem to be destroying people. <laughs> That's that's the whole trick. I'm gonna make you come to it believing and you leave out believing they've been saved. So Quinn, we 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 understand that. Well, actually, I understand because I sent you mm-hmm. in a certain movie. Um, yep. And 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 hearkening to your roller derby days, which we might get to a little more because I, I do have a question about that. But um, you were in the uh, Harley Quinn Birds of Prey movie, I understand. I certainly was. I mean, I'm telling you, roller derby it it, it pays in dividends. You think mm-hmm. you think you're just about to do a little your little side uh <laughs> side sport, and suddenly it, it gives you all these opportunities. Yeah. So, yeah, you know Harley Quinn, her actual character uh plays roller derby. That's part of what she does in the. The writers and the director of that film really wanted to have a roller derby scene. So luckily I live in LA and they put that call out and I, I got to be her, we're on the opposing team, but I sort of am her, her main person that she's going up against. Her nemesis. And uh, her nemesis, yeah, her nemesis. And um, yeah, you can catch me in the first, what was what that? Five, 10 minutes of the movie? Uh-huh. Get my uh-huh. ass beat by Harley. <laughs> Breaks my nose. Oh, snap. And so yeah. um, the one question is, is uh, Margot Robbie as beautiful and pasty in person <laughs> as she is in that movie? Not, not pasty, actually. <laughs> but yeah, she, you know, Hollywood actresses are very, they're actresses for a reason. They, they really are beautiful. Like they, if you walk past them on the street, you will be like, wow, you would do a double take. She is, she is gorgeous and she's very nice. She was, she was pretty good on her skates already. She did that with that Tanya Harding movie. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so oh. she already knew she, she knew how to how to skate on ice skates, which is very different. So she was pretty good already, but we had to teach her how to like move and block and you know, sort of make her way through. She was doing most of her own kind of work on the skates and stunts. Uh, she had a she had a stunt double who was also an ex teammate of mine who was a very young person who was like, yeah. What do you want me to do? Like she, she didn't. I was like, you're gonna break a bone on this on this set. <laughs> she didn't care though. Um, so like the the really crazy things her stunt double did. What was that like being on set? Of like was that over just like the course of one day, or did that take a couple of days to get set up and and shoot? So that is the biggest set of I have been on. I've done a considerable amount of roller skating stunts on for shows and things like that, but I have never done such a huge budget movie, and that is a crazy experience like I just I cannot believe how much money Hollywood has sometimes that's where I always come in like it it, it was huge the amount of extras that they had that they had to pay just to stand there yeah so many like the amount of money that they spent you know that was maybe three days of work for me it was that the actual shooting was one day but we had we had a like a rehearsal day and we had you know, you have to go get fitted for your unit for your uh, costume. That's another day. So it was basically three days of work. The funny thing about that movie, and I can always tell which of my friends have asked, I can always tell who really knows me versus who doesn't know me, is my character comes back mm-hmm. and she flips Carly off. Mm-hmm. And mm. people that really know me are like, that wasn't you. Like, what happened there? <laughs> so what ha- what had happened was you can work without joining SAG. Yeah. For, like for I don't know however many times, and then at some point they're like, "No, you got to pay us. If you you got to be in this union. You're work you're working as an actor." So I had done I had done completed my whole time on set, and they called me and they're like, "Oh, SAG just told us you're must pay," and I was like, "Oh shit." Uh, <laughs> I'm not paying. Like, I'm not trying to be an actress. Like, I'm like, how much is it? It's like $3,000 or something like that. And I was like, oh, I'm not paying that. And so they were like, uh, like, what are you going to do? Like, I'm like, I, I, I'm like, shit. And I'm like, a, I'm, they need my scene. Like, they can't just cut me out of it because they need that scene. So they were, I guess afterwards they were like, oh, we need one more scene with Harley and, uh, you know that her nemesis and so they're like call quinn they're like oh shit we can't call quinn she she's not sag so they ended up casting some other girl to oh. that scene let's go back yep so they filled you in with just a, with some other black lady yep who looks nothing <laughs> like me <laughs> I, 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 I saw that i was like was there two black ladies on the exactly, exactly. Like, was, was she Quinn's sister? Or like, was she yes. bad? You broke my sister's nose. Fuck you. That's bitch. right. That's, that's right. That's, that's the right. see. That's the question. Like, like, are so? Are you happy that they chose another black woman and not just found like some Puerto Rican or something? Oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> not even. Not even. They would have found. I I'm really good with it. <laughs> but yeah, another black actress. I'm almost uh, see you almost scare me. I was afraid to tell you that my one of my sisters used to work for SAG for years. <laughs> they come, they're like the mafia. Well, she moves. She's now with the directors guild now. It's I mean all those guilds they yeah. they 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 work for you, but they want the I mean they want their money. 
Yep, yeah. yep. Kept so, her employed, so I couldn't get bad at that exactly. point. Exactly. <laughs> so for SAG, they, you have to pay like a upfront dues to, to join in after a certain amount of time uh, doing screen work or film work. Yeah, like they basically don't want people just working rogue out there, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and what they do is they make sure that people are being paid the proper amounts and, you know, because... I mean, productions will screw you over as, as as easily as they possibly can, you know. So they make sure people are being paid the proper amounts that you're getting your residual checks that, uh, yeah. you know, that you're only working the amount of hours a day that that, that the guild has um, said is okay right. for you yeah. to work, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's a it's great, and it's and if you want to actually be an actor, you have to be you have to get in there. But that's not you know my goal, and you know there are other perks that you get along the way. But I'm in the Writers Guild, so I'm like, well, tell me what the different perks are. Like, how are they different? And my perks are the same plus what they're getting over there. So. I was like, I'm not paying that three thousand dollars. I'm sorry. And again, it's it's worth it for somebody that is actually trying to. Uh, pursue that as a career but yeah it wasn't for me all right well um let's move on to our, our next topic one night in miami came out <laughs> mm -hmm. to uh much praise on amazon uh prime video it's a story about a a meetup of four great black icons of the time it was written as a as a theater piece to tell a hypothetical of what that night was like where sam cook muhammad ali jim brown and Malcolm X all were together in Miami the night that Muhammad Ali beat Sonny Liston. The piece uh, delves into some uh, interesting things um, about what those conversations uh, and interactions would have been between the four who were all more or less at the, the variable peaks of their fame and acclaim at the time and what it could have meant to the civil rights movement and the continued struggle of black people at the time. So did you guys all see the movie? Pedro, did you see the movie? Yes, I did. Oh, you watched it? You really did. It sound like he's lying, man. That sounds like a straight lie. I can tell that's a lie. He, he sounded all official. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. What do you mean? That's all I know he's lying. Yep, see, about the beginning. Beginning, they had the, it was lights, cameras, somebody, somebody on stage. Somebody yelled action in here. Somehow Pedro and his version got to, see the, got to see the director thing clap down. Hey, somebody was holding a guitar. I was like, wow. So we want to break this movie down based upon the good, the bad, and the WTF. So what you saw from the movie, um, what was good about it? We'll start with there. What do you think was bad about it? And it could be any component of the movie. Um, and then what was the thing that made you say WTF about it? Um, so... Uh, let's go around and start. I guess we'll start with the good. So, um, Quinn, is there something that you would like to, you know, establish that you saw that you thought was good about the movie? Uh, I mean, I, I, I just like the, the, the entire setup of the movie. Like, who knew that this ever happened? You know, it's, it's sort of bringing this, this amazing piece of history to the screen with these four huge icons the, the day that Muhammad Ali decides uh, that he's going to become Muhammad Ali instead of Cassius Clay. Like that is just such an incredible moment. But what I thought was really good, this is a little bit of a segue, but I, I love watching Regina King do her thing right now. Like she, she is incredible to me. She has had this 
Hollywood career her whole life. Like she was used mm-hmm. to be on 227, remember? 227, yeah. Yeah, you know, and then it was like she she sort of like went kind of reached this peak where she was just like a hood rat in a whole bunch of movies and you're like, "Oh, man, like that's that's what you're going to do? Like you're going to be just a hood rat in movies now? Like that's all you can that's all the roles that you can get." And then she she went on and she became uh the voice of a uh, Huey and Huey yeah Huey Freeman and you're like wow that's Regina King and then from that moment on she has sort of just like reinvented herself and what she wants to do so like to to have this hyper black masculine movie it's so much about this like black masculinity and the and the the different looks of what that looks like it's not just one version of that right it's not just Muhammad Ali it's like you've got all these different types that are bouncing off of each other, but it, to be directed by this badass black woman to me is amazing. It's not something that's on the screen, but I, it's something that I felt every second that I was watching that movie. Like I, I love that she is behind the behind the camera. Jared, you mentioned that this was originally a play, um, a, theat- a theatrical play, and um, I saw the play, and it all took place in the room. Um, they never moved from the room. And so I thought that they did actually a real good job of, of, of expanding the world, of making, you know, it's not, the room is where the most important things happen, but mm. you kind of get these bits and pieces that come to sort of expand the world and make it make sense for a, a film. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely got that vibe. Even the way the, the dialogue was crafted, mm-hmm. there's, there, I think there's a difference between like on screen and th- theatrical and, and, and even the way they kind of, the interactions oriented where one one set was leaving and the, then they had a focus right. the, the two were two were talking and then and then a new dynamic would occur when somebody else would leave and then the other two or other three would then have their own you know thing so yeah i agree definitely and regina king is dope when i saw that she was directing it i was like all right i gotta watch you know mm-hmm. I, you know she's been she's been steadily just fielding her case as you know one of the more influential actresses in contemporary you know media over the last like 15 20 years especially mm-hmm. from my knowledge of her doing uh, the boondock shows and then uh, she was also an enemy of the state my boy will smith but she, she played oh, more yeah more nagging in that movie which i didn't i didn't appreciate about her they <laughs> part but nagging and i was like does she have more depth than just being you know Man, like nagging? Will cool. even her, her hood rat was a nagging hood rat too yeah yeah you know and, but yeah, no, it, it was that was I think that was super dope for her to direct it and um yeah in that in this this movie about four men uh, in mm-hmm. particular. But um all right, Aaron, Aaron, what about you? What was something good that you saw from it? I was really shocked because Jared then set it up as like it was gonna be a good movie about how much I was enjoying it, <laughs> how much I was enjoying it, watching it, and how much I you know and how I was like, wow, this isn't bad. This is not bad. I, like I said, I didn't finish it yet, but. I really enjoyed it and it really got like my juices flowing, right? Like about like, like I wish I could know more about that moment, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you know, the, the writer, what's his name? Kemp, Kemp uh, Powers. Kemp Powers, yeah. Mm-hmm. He said, he just basically created the dialogue. His thought process when creating it was, he was thinking about when he, write, when he wrote for Star Trek Discovery and being the only black writer in the writer's room. And so his whole thought process was that feeling that, that he was using it for his creativity. And I wanted to go past that. I was like, okay, this is, this is what's in your head. And that's good. I want to know what really was said. Like, too bad, ain't nobody alive. Ain't no, I'm thinking, like, the whole time, I was like, this is really good. Jim Brown's know what, still alive. Jim Brown, we just got to call huh? Trump in here. Yeah, Jim Brown. Jim Brown been dead <laughs> since that day he sat next to Trump. <laughs> 
Jim Brown been dead a long time. Jim Brown, Jim Brown like, I knew. He's like, y'all don't know the America. I remember Trump is a reprieve. <laughs> yeah, the Jim Brown I knew is dead. Jim, Jim Brown's still under pro, uh, concussion protocol. He had to fight with that last woman. Exactly. <laughs> Jim Brown. Like I said, I, I don't think he could tell me what was really said. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably not. You know, it's but, but it's been, you know, it's been good. Put together. Put together really good. Put together really good. Well, I just really watched good. the movie, so I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pedro, what was the good from the movie? What you saw? I like that part where they was all in the hotel room together. That was, <laughs> <laughs> that was your favorite part. That was my favorite. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess for me, the good is, and this is something that I always like, I'm like, you know, thinking about and, and what was expressed from what I was able to, you know, see in the movie and, and, and understand is, you know, you have, you know, these four different men who represent different four components of black identity. And it's not all the identities mm-hmm. of black identity and it doesn't encompass the entirety. The four of them don't encompass the entirety of black identity, identity. but within that, you know what I'm saying? You have, you know, Jim Brown, who's like the 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 kind of like represents to me, maybe like the blue collar and just like that, that unrelenting will of blackness, you know, what I'm saying to survive, to thrive and, and through their through their work and their body and their and their persistence, you know, find success. You have Malcolm X, who is, you know, the the thoughtful, you know, what I'm saying looking at the big picture, the intellect, the one who is the revolutionary, the one that's trying to understand, you know, what I'm saying what it's going to take for black people to be on top or to be the dictators of their own path. And then you have Sam Cooke, who's representative of the one who is playing the game of the man within the system and working it, finding his angles to be successful and bountiful and thrive and still create his own legacy. Um, and then you had Muhammad Ali, who was like the youngest one of them all, who was the kind of encompassed all of that, had the mentals to think, had the the brashness and the and the persona to, to captivate, but also had the physical will uh, to persist and, and, you know, thrive. And it was, you know, kind of centered around him and what his decision was and, and all of them were kind of given their different inputs. And so I thought it was a, it was a, it was a good exploration into a dialogue that I think, you know, for black people in this country or varying peoples of color in this country and how you fit into this, you know, we call it the white man system or the Western colonial system. How do you fit in and what avenues will serve you best or which avenues should you choose to take on to find your success or should you even be trying to find success within mm-hmm. a system that you maybe deem corrupt or immoral you know um so i felt that was a good thing um that i got from it, it was like it allowed if you're if you're watching it kind of critically to kind of break down like where do you fall on which end of the spectrum depending on the the interaction um between different characters throughout the movie that i found was like kind of just interesting because sometimes i feel like i want to take more of the 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 rebellious revolutionary stance on certain things and then i also understand the importance of you know saying finding your path using the the tools that are already you know laid out within the system to to find your way and make your way kind of like sam cook um and then you know saying jim brown you know i used to be an athlete so you know i understand what that's like now but jim brown you know kind of also just being about the matter of fact of like the experience of no matter what we still live in this like you know Aaron said you know we all run the same race but I ain't gonna try and throw nothing in your way um and, and Jim Brown kind of represented that like like that persistence of like no matter what we still got to be pushing we can't we can't we can't we can't put each other and separate each other based upon these classes so um I thought that was that was one of the cooler things from the movie that I that I really took from it I, 
Um, I got one more good I forgot to say. Oh, one thing I really like that I didn't hear no damn Jay-Z song in the damn thing. Because <laughs> you, know, you know how often black movies that go into a period piece and then all of a sudden I'm listening to Jay-Z or Beyonce sing some shit and I'm just like, you know what, I'm done with this. Aaron, from what you yeah. saw so far, what was the bad from the movie? The bad, I'm gonna say, is uh, some of the haircuts. Probably surprising with this, but every time I just look at their hair, I'm like, come on, man, the barbers. When I look at the pictures, their hair look a lot more even. The Sam Cook hair, the Sam Cook hair. I was like, come on, man, I ain't never seen Sam Cook hair look like this. I think they got the picture from Sam Cook hair from when he ran into that hotel lobby on Figueroa with one shoe on. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, he still had he still had some nice product in his hair that night. Man, he had one shoe on in there yelling, "She stole my money." That that was where they that's where they got the idea. Hey, man, put his hair from there in. You know, I hate to say it, the hair just kept getting me, and nothing tripped me out. They had so many brothers from the Wire in there. I thought I was watching the Wire at one point. Like the guy who played Boudini Brown, the Wire. The, that was D'Angelo Barksdale. Then they had the dude that's like Malcolm X's top man. Right, he was in the wire too. I thought I was watching the wire for a minute. You know, I was, you know, I turned my head real fast, and I, I was ready for Michael B. Jordan to show up. Where, where's Wallace? I was about to start. I thought he was going. I thought D'Angelo Boudini Brown was going to be in the ring yelling, "Where's Wallace? Where is he?" Those dudes from the wire are working though. Man, they can act. They can they act. Are, they are in. I wish like... Common stopped taking their roles. <laughs> Common LL Cool J stop taking their roles. Black rappers, rappers, stop taking the good roles that should be going out to these brothers that can actually act. Everybody in the wire was a great act. Nothing made me more when I see a rapper and an R&B singer in a movie. You know, I started to make a comment about Common uh, acting a little Michael B. Jordan is. He doesn't change character at all. <laughs> He I'm, stays I, the same person in every movie. I forgot to make that a good. I forgot. You know what? Michael, Michael B. I, this bad. This bad is a good. <laughs> that they didn't put Michael B. Jordan. Uh, actually, I don't know how you feel, Quinn, about Michael B. Jordan, but you know what? He's a good-looking guy. Good-looking brother. He's, he's good-looking. He he's seems really nice. Yeah, that, thank you. I'm glad you said that. I've been arguing with people. Jared, have that what? been my argument? What? How much of a how short he is? He a midget. I was like, dude, I was looking at photos hey, from back in the day with him next to me. Politically correct. He's a, he's a little person. He's a little person. <laughs> Dang, that's not even politically correct, Pedro. Uh, Man, he's on, one of them little midgets. Speaking of Michael B. Jordan, we cannot go without our Michael B. Jordan segment, Aaron, with... What would Michael B. Jordan do? Wow. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan has said he wants to reprise the role of Muhammad Ali in One Night in Miami. Aaron, Michael B. Jordan is walking into the Amazon studios to audition. What would Michael B. Jordan do? That's right. This Michael B. Jordan. I'm king of the world. Hey, Sonny, listen, I'm gonna take that belt off your hands. I'm going to take that off your hands. <laughs> King of the world, Ma. I told you he was ugly. Malcolm X. Malcolm X, I told you I was king of the world. He didn't scratch my face. Wait, does he call Malcolm X by his full name? Might be <laughs> Michael <laughs> Jordan. Michael B. Jordan will call by his full name. Because that's his exactly. acting ability. 
I'm surprised he wouldn't call him by his acting name. He, he might he might call him Denzel Washington. Yo, Denzel Washington. <laughs> Denzel Washington. He see look, and I want to I want to make this clear. Like I Mario think Michael B. Jordan. Dude, don't steal my line. Don't mention that. That was my line. Be quiet, Jared. Be quiet. That's part of my. I'll, I'll be trying to keep that a secret from you all day because of what my thought process is. Okay. I, uh, I tell you this. I tell you this though. Uh, I think he's a wonderful guy. Seems like whenever I hear him speak about things, issues, societal issues, things like that, he seems wonderful. Seems like a nice guy. You know, him and Tom Cruise are cut from the same same cloth. Not not as far as who they are as a person, but the same stencil of, of height requirements. <laughs> I think God 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 got lazy at some point. It's like, man, just bring me the five foot two stencil. I ain't got time. He's gonna act too. Him and just bring me the Tom Cruise height one. But. The man cannot act that well. He can, I hope to meet him in person one day. I think we can sit back and laugh. Quinn, what was something bad from the movie? I have been struggling with this for a long time. So as black people, we have been stereotyped from way back in the day that we all look alike, right? And as a black person, I am like, no, we don't at all, right? But then when I watch like, white movies, like as an example, I'm watching, or like a period piece, especially when everybody has some like foo-foo thing on. I'm watching Bridgerton right now. And the white characters on that on that show, the guys, I cannot tell them apart. They all look exactly the same to me. I can't follow the storyline because they all just look like white guys with brown hair wearing the same kind of outfit, right? But black people, it just doesn't work like that. And so you try to cast somebody, even with Malcolm X, we already talked about that, right? Malcolm X was so light-skinned. And then they had Denzel, this very brown-skinned man play him. And you're like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be along for this ride because I, I believe him in that role, but he just doesn't actually physically look like him, right? Mm. One of my problems with this is the same sort of thing. It's like, I was all right with uh, the Malcolm X, the dude that played Malcolm X, they did a pretty good job of casting that. Like it was, I, I, I believed it. Sam Cooke, uh, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. He, he, he convinced me with the singing. Leslie Elm Jr., he convinced me with the singing. But Jim Brown and even Muhammad Ali, I still was kind of like, mm -hmm. he's, he's too iconic. He is too familiar of a face to not have it right to not have it like spot on. Mm. Jim Brown, I do not know how that how that man looked like Jim Brown. So I, I could never <laughs> I could never mm -hmm. truly get all the way in because those characters didn't look like it. And then to, to back up what Aaron's talking about with the with the hair, I don't know. Did you guys like watch like the new edition miniseries that came mm -hmm. out? It's like they can't get the hair right. Our hair is so hard to do. Like you cannot make a Bobby Brown Gumby and make it look real. <laughs> it looks terrible. Yeah. It looks like a, a, a rug on your head. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it's like I I I don't know what the answer to this to I don't know how you fix it. You mm -hmm. got to have somebody play those parts. And, and but we just black people just look so different yes and you can't just say oh yeah you nailed the lines because i gotta look at you too so mm. i felt myself not being able to totally get in because i was looking at these these people that to me i have they're they're iconic like i know what those people look like all the time mm. and it's not to say i haven't been persuaded before like 
Angela Bassett doesn't look anything like Tina Turner. But by the end of that movie, I forgot what Tina Turner looked like. She looked like Angela Bassett mm. to me, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I say the same thing too. Like I made the same thing to Jared before we were talking about, and I was telling about the movie White Chicks, right? We're supposed to be convinced that to everyone else in the movie, they really look like women, right? <laughs> and I was like, they made the movie real funny so I can overlook the fact mm-hmm. that they look nothing like women, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like you're saying, if you can act your way through it, Denzel acting you know blew up the malcolm x so you you're, you're like okay it looks nothing like him but this i is believe it angela bassett same mm-hmm. way right i felt like the dude playing jim brown should be starring at shack in a shack movie i'm like how the <laughs> hell this, this dude's look like he about six eight six yeah. nine yeah he's so much taller than every like muhammad ali was super tall mm-hmm. jim brown now jim brown was an athletically fit man but i don't think he was as tall that dude was huge it's huge i'm mm-hmm. like this dude's huge mm-hmm. And especially if it's if it, if your movie is about athletes, like you got to get yeah. that body right. Like yeah. you know, it's, it it can't just be about the acting ability. It has to be about the aesthetic. You got to yeah. get the aesthetic right. Yeah. I definitely get that, and that that made it hard for me to like really immerse myself in the story because like I was definitely just like eyeing. I'm like, you're not giving me Malcolm X right now. Mm-hmm. Or, like from from watching <laughs> videos of him talk, this is not this is not feeling or 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 this is not making me feel like Sam Cook right now. And that's why I think as a theater piece, it's easier because you're not as up close in their right, right. Film. And so, as long as similarities and they can capture the mannerisms and and hopefully overall the general voice and tone, then it can pass in theater. But it, like when you're up on you know the so many close ups on camera. And you're seeing their expression, and and you're able to like, you know, really nitpick that. It, it makes it made it a lot harder for me to yeah believe. Yeah, no, Jim Brown was a big dude, but he wasn't six eight. He was six two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that, that's... his playing weight was two fifty, wasn't it? Something like that. Ooh. And then, and then uh, Muhammad yeah, he Ali was big. <laughs> yeah, Muhammad Ali is like six two too, right? He's He was like the tallest Four. one out of all of them, and mm. I'm like Jim Brown's towering. I mean, mm. even though yeah. they were yeah, about the same, was... yeah. But another bad that I have is mm-hmm. in the stage play, the Nation of Islam dudes that are pro- providing security, mm-hmm. you could really feel that they were menacing. Like you didn't know what was happening yet, but you were like, ooh, they're, those are the guys that end up shooting <laughs> Malcolm X. Like you, mm-hmm. you felt that. And every time that they sort of made their way in, you just felt like shit, like these, these are bad dudes. And mm-hmm. I, that didn't translate to the to the film for me. Like it was, they were just kind of, wasn't, wasn't Raj one of them? <laughs> Raj from Good. From <laughs> yes, from yes. Raj. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Malcolm yeah. X. Malcolm just, X, Raj Malcolm, from. Malcolm X, yeah. He sure mm. is in Malcolm X too. He's, yeah, he was, he was, he a, he was, a, he was in both movies? He's in both movies yep. as oh, Nation wow. of Islam. Wow, he I sure did see was. the movie, but I didn't notice him. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's just like they, I didn't, I never felt the danger that they were, that they were, you know, supposed to be putting on to, particularly onto Malcolm X. Like they sort of popped in, they made, they made one of the characters really campy. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he's always trying to oh, yeah. take a picture and get an you know, autograph. You get an autograph. Yeah. And, and so I didn't get, that that feeling that menace that feeling of menace mm-hmm. and danger didn't really translate as well um in the film to me but i heard malcolm x was killed by antifa <laughs> my god the, he, man the things that keep coming out maga yeah. maga said they already exposed the QAnon already exposing all the, all the paperwork they got the paperwork antifa put a hit out on them that's what came up on my parlor my parlor my parlor app and said malcolm x was killed by antifa <laughs> and i believe him 
All right. Revolution. Take care. You should. <laughs> you really should. Uh, um, I'll say my bad was uh, the bad that I had from it was the the guys who were playing uh, Muhammad Ali's uh, fight corner in the fight scenes. I just felt like those were like thrown together so just brutally. You didn't like Michael and Pearly? I mean, you know he. Man, I I don't need Sopranos involved. I, I think part of his sad card says on it that he must be, get first audition before Michael Rappaport for any movie full of black people. <laughs> Listen, we are not going to talk bad about Michael. I like Michael Rappaport. Uh, I like Michael Rappaport. Uh, <laughs> we are not going to have bad things to say about him. That he is comfortable do. around black people. I think it says that on the sad card. He's he, 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 got, he got a little patch. He got like one of the little Boy Scout patches. Like, who can oh he work with? Oh my God. Michael yeah, Rappaport. We can bring him in. That is so skin. true. He really, it's, it's, it's Spike Lee did that to him. <laughs> mm, um, well, not that, and then and then the guy who played Boudini Brown wasn't the dude from Wire. He couldn't do no Jane. Um, Jane Fox. Jane Fox. After watching the Ali movie, it was hard for me to believe, like the, the, the way they did the Ali fight scene and the in the corner and all that. Like I was like, I seen the Ali movie and they overdid that, and that was all like a, a you know pretty well done. Man, how how do you expect him to act well, Jared? How do you expect him to do a great job as Boudini Brown when he did an unbelievable job as Barksdale, D'Angelo Barksdale, and yet he sees this non-actor kid, Wallace, get shot and go on to have a more, make more money, a better career than <laughs> I yeah, he gonna overact. Yeah, he gonna overact. He's like, man, I gotta overact this shit because acting great is not getting it. <laughs> all these, all this Shakespeare and all these great plays I did on Broadway, not getting it. So I gotta come in here and overact this role. Well, it was that, and then the just the fight scenes. Like I was like, they could have either done without the fight scenes, or they could have done them much better. And then they were sitting there like. He's like, what is he doing in the ring? He's like, I don't know. I was like, what the, <laughs> like, I was like, what the hell? I was like, that, I was like, that whole dynamic was just, it was someone's off, and it was bad, and it was. It was kind of cheesy. It was kind of like done just to kind of, you know, throw a little spice in there to get you, oh, we're going to show you a fight scene to really set you in the time and, and, and try and immerse you in what it meant. But it didn't it didn't settle and it didn't set for me, which, you know, Quinn, you were saying the play was just based solely in the hotel room. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't the, the fight scene and that wasn't built into the original play. So I could see that somebody came in there to make it the movie. and was like, well, let's let's let's, you know, add a couple of components to draw them into the into the, right. the bulk of the movie, might as well just do an Ali fight scene. And I'm like, well, if you've seen the way they shot Ali and all that went into that, the way Will Smith immersed himself in the character, the way they, you know, they, 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 all the other characters were like so ingrained in their roles. And for me, it does a disservice after you've seen something that well to just mm. like throw that out there. That was like, that was like me putting together a theatrical dance performance at the end of a summer at the summer programs I work at with staff that look nothing like the roles they're playing. So like, I was like, I could have put together something on par with what they did relative to what uh, the expectation I would have. And then he's over like dancing. He's like doing a dance move in the ring. We're like, he was oh. dancing. I was like, was what the dancing. hell was that? Like that don't, like no. Like he gonna sit there and be, do, do this with you. Like, oh. <laughs> he's doing a TikTok dance. Yeah, during yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh man. So. That was the bad for me. Pedro, did you have anything else that you saw? This yeah, well, not, well, when I, well, from what I've seen, it's just, <laughs> you know, I, really, I was really studying the movie. Um, I was thinking, you know, character's not as bad as uh, Chad, Chadwick Boseman as um, Thurgood Marshall. So, I mean. <laughs> Again, like the, the in, 
I feel like you can't say anything bad about Chadwick Boseman. Oh, no, you're no. Not, right? But like, that, no, I, I don't choice. mean it in that way. Oh, I know. Choice. I know. I'm just saying, like, he's just one of the, he's a, like, Stevie Wonder, hands off. Can't say anything bad about him. <laughs> don't, 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 can. don't you say that around yes, here. You, <laughs> you guys talk shit about can. Stevie? Aaron, do. Aaron, not me. I, I talk shit can. about most, but um, Ooh, some people I'll leave alone. There are some people that are off limits. I think it's Stevie and I think Chadwick is now there. But it's like that dude does not look like Thurgood Marshall. Like, again, he no. might be able to, to pull the lines. He, you, you might believe that's a longer lines, line right there. <laughs> it's like Chadwick Boseman has a gap, a huge gap in his teeth. He is skinny. He is black. Like, yeah, yes. Come on. So it's the problem is we ain't got enough light skin brothers that, that know how to act. No, Shamar, Shamar Moore, just... Shamar Moore, can act can, you, to play can, CGI, can we CGI James Earl Jones? That would have been a better Thurgood Marshall. Yeah, because because I don't know how they try to make him this dude look like. No, no, yeah, come on. <laughs> Let's get to the to the WTF of it. So what was one thing from the movie that made you say WTF? And we'll start with uh, Pedro. We'll start with you. Oh, not play Pedro. We'll come no, back. No, no, my W, I give me my WTF. <laughs> my WTF was like, why the hell he tell me to watch it the day before? <laughs> That's true. Same here. Same here. The F. <laughs> with the five bloods, the five bloods, you gave me like you, you told me like yeah, after you, a Sunday or something. Man. So I was like, okay, I'll find time to watch it. Yeah, TV. you gave us time. And I enjoyed it. <laughs> you gonna tell me to watch it last <laughs> night while we were shooting folks from Call of Duty. <laughs> he told me a little sooner during the middle of the football games. I'm like, hey, we have a sports podcast. I got to watch this football too. <laughs> right? Like, how you going to tell me? Like, I got to watch the football game, Jerry. How you going to tell me then? Yeah, I ain't going to watch it. So I need y'all to watch the game for me. <laughs> Somebody got to watch it. And you going to tell me to watch this. My bad. All right, let's go. To, uh, Quinn, what was a WTF moment or, or, or theme for you? Oh, uh, man. It's like, to know what you know about Jim Brown now and to watch him in that film where he is not the person that we know now and not at all pay attention to who he became. It's like, it's like watching a movie about, you know, this is real extreme that I'm about to say. It's like watching a movie about Manson and mm -hmm. Manson is like, you know, happy-go-lucky guy and you never delve <laughs> into the fact that he doesn't end that way, you know? So it's like, it's really strange to to never sort of pay any attention to that. And, you know, for people like us, we all know what Jim Brown has become, mm -hmm. um, what he what he went on to become. So you can sort of, you know, frame your frame your thinking around that and, and, and watch the film and be like, oh, okay, this, this was a real different version of him. But if you don't know him, which a lot of people that are gonna watch this movie won't, you know, you're just gonna think he was just sort of like pro-black activist and still is to to this day. Yeah. Um, and and not do any research to, to tell you otherwise. So that's that's my WTF. Like I needed I needed some I needed to to feel different about that ending and where he goes with it. Yeah. Aaron, what is uh what was your WTF? You know, mine's actually came for, from the movie, but it wasn't part of the movie. My whole thought process during this was why the heck, if I'm Sam Cook would I go back and be like, yeah, I'm in Miami. Muhammad uh, Cassius Clay just won this major, just became the heavyweight championship of the world at 22 years old. I'm ready to party. 
what makes me think that meeting the Malcolm X room is going to lead to me having a good time? That's all I kept thinking about. All I kept thinking is like, why the hell are they there? Like, I got friends. I got a lot of friends all from different places. And the minute someone would have said, hey, let's meet at this so-and-so's house, I'm like, you know what? Call me when you guys get out or get somewhere. Like, I'll meet you there. Like I'm uh, that friend. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be like, yeah. Like, okay, if I just turn... I just turned 21 and I'm gonna go over Pedro. And Pedro, I'm gonna throw you a 21st birthday in my house. Pedro's a teetotaler, he don't drink. So, you know, it's like, man, I'm gonna be like, uh, okay, let's start the party at Pedro's house. And even though it's my 21st birthday, I'll meet you when you go out. Especially in the beginning of the whole, the, the room scene. I'm like, there's nothing here that's gonna spell have a good time. He yeah, he know. even left his girlfriend behind. Like they could have been yeah. out somewhere. He's like, oh no, babe. I'll he was staying at the nice white hotels. Yes. He's <laughs> like, we got these bougie big hotel rooms. He's at the Hampton. Yeah, he's at the Hampton Inn. I ain't got no problem. I still stay at the Hampton Inns now. Uh, they, they, they still good to black people, just to let you know. Uh, Malcolm X was at the Hampton Inn, which I could, you know, and I'm just like, I was like, what made him think that it was gonna be a fun night? There's and no he, he remember he he leaves. They leave to go to the liquor store. I would have stayed uh, gone at that point. Yeah, it be, you know? yeah. <laughs> like it would have been like, oh no, Malcolm's up in there just preaching to me the whole time. <laughs> Especially after once the conversation turned towards the nation of Islam and who's gonna join, I'm like, all right, you know what, y'all. You know what? My night's over. Right? Uh, this this suddenly became an Avon party. You're trying exactly. to get me to buy some. <laughs> and that, that was my whole moment. Like that's why I keep saying I'm still stuck on the fact I really want to know what happened, and I don't know if Jim Brown's the person to tell me what the conversation was about, or like what really happened this night. Like I really want to know I, if I build a time machine. This is one of those things that's going <laughs> in my top ten things just to go check out. Like, and I'm just, I'm gonna turn and say, Why don't you just leave, dude? Just leave. Like. Like, you know, I, when I was in college, these guys who were a little too, they're a little too, uh, they were they were pro-black, but they were a little too conscious. A little too woke. Yeah, so that, exactly. Mm-hmm. So they started telling my homeboy who was in my place uh, the story on how the pyramids were built from the top down because the Africans <laughs> were that smart and the pyramids were built from the top down. I left. I left for two hours because I was like, I'm not, I'm not being part of this, this shit. I <laughs> left. I came back. They were still talking to him. <laughs> That's, you know, that's, that's a really, really good point. Because even if you get into like a conversation with hoteps, like at the street corner, waiting for mm-hmm. the light to change, you're like counting down the seconds <laughs> yes. for that light to change. You're like, man, maybe I'll just step in front of this Winnebago <laughs> yeah. real quick because this shit is getting... The end to this conversation. <laughs> I can't take this no more. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it, it weighs on your friendship too. <laughs> we have another good friend and he's starting to every conspiracy theory that comes across. Oh. And it's it's like, man, you're not even in reality. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to tell them one day, okay, if you believe in all this stuff, then put your cell phone down and get a burner. You know, I really don't want to talk about this over the telephone. Perhaps we could meet at a secret location. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> WTF. Uh, yeah. WTF. Why, why would we have a pros fight party at Malcolm X room? That's where you go when you lose. When your homeboy loses, you go to Malcolm right. X room. Because I, I need to be uplifted. Yeah. Yeah, we we, we got to uplift him. Keep back, him. Back then, them the brothers was looking for acid or heroin. Yeah, Jim Brown was like, I like white women and I ain't trying. He's like, I'm drinking because I like white women. I'm going to have a good time. He said white women and his mama's food. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, because Sam Cooke could have made a remix of his song, We Ain't Having No Party. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. Um, ain't nobody drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting on a twin bed. <laughs> oh, shit. My WTF, uh, to round it out, I'll say, was um, casting Leslie Odom Jr. as Sam Cooke. <laughs> you know, it's like, like, what strings did Lin-Manuel Miranda pull to get that to happen? <laughs> Now, I'm not saying that Leslie Otto Jr. is not a talented artist and the theater adaptation of, into a movie and him doing theater and he could sing. It's cool. But my WTF was about like, did they put a prosthetic on his nose? Because it looked like he had something going on on his face. Yeah. Like they was trying to make him look more like Sam Cooke. But it made him look, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I gotta look at this. like Sam mm-hmm. Cooke. Like the whole time I was like, that's not Leslie Odom Jr.'s normal face. Mm-hmm. Like somebody did some weird shadowing of makeup or they had like a fake no something in this area was off mm-hmm. but it made him look nothing more like Sam <laughs> Cook. like i was like did he get the weekends uh artist uh, uh makeup artist coming there and put some <laughs> some shit on his face because he's looking fucked up right now but sam cook had a very unique voice also and i feel like leslie odom jr did not master that voice until like the last scene where he was supposed to be on the tv show singing live like he kind of actually, that was the only time where I actually got the Sam Cooke mannerisms that he actually was kind of hitting. Throughout mm-hmm. the rest of the movie, I was like, this man is not hitting none of the mannerisms. You What's might that? be right about this nose thing because I'm looking at him in the One Night Miami noses and you know, Sam Cooke did have a little bit of a beak, right? Like yeah. it came out away from a little bit more. It looked like they tried to create that. I don't know, was it makeup? Or you might be right. It's something up with this nose. There's something wrong with this nose in that movie. Because I think Leslie Odom Jr. in that Allstate commercial. No, his nose don't look and like I know that, what his yeah. nose look like. It See, like this, is why we, this is why we are hard to cast. We got color issues that they got to figure out. We got nose issues that they got to figure yes. out. And then, and then hair. Like, mm-hmm. all these things make us so distinct from one another. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's hard. Oh, Michael B. Jordan pop came up on this page, though, when I'm looking <laughs> at Sam Cooke. That's who they should hire. That's who they should hire. I gotta run. Okay. But I enjoyed you guys so much. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for bringing wisdom to the show. Definitely needed that. Oh, we don't shoot. Without you, we'd be lost out here. Oh, please. Yeah. And, and, the only, <laughs> and the only feminist energy we have is Jared, usually. So it's nice to have some more on. <laughs> I hope I he's doing right by us. Women, so I just <laughs> the beautiful white woman's feminist manuscripts. <laughs> oh, man. The only, only feminist we have on this show is my wife yelling in the background. <laughs> yeah. We need that energy, but if you hey, when you make it when you make it onto that uh, network sitcom and they looking for a, a semi funny brown husky brother, tell them give me a call. All right, I, I mean this I'll, is I'll this is how roller room. derby connections yeah. work. This yeah. is how it works. I ain't athletic enough, and I'm too out of shape to do roller derby unless I'm gonna have an <laughs> asthma attack. So, uh, but I can work a writer's room. Aaron, That's if, what I'm talking about. Y'all, y'all, y'all planning to uh, uh, do a live action Cleveland Brown show? Holla at, holla at your boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that. Man, I, they had me in touch for the final, but then I lost out to Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Who else was that? It was Michael B. Jordan, Common. Uh, Stevie Wonder, Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Don't get him started on Stevie Wonder. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's amazing. I appreciate it, guys. This was a lot of fun. It was great meeting you all. It was great yes, meeting yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Great and, meeting uh, you.
I will. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll 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 keep you posted on the episode, yeah. and um, let me know. We'd love to have you, you know, back on as a correspondent on some film stuff if you'd be. Oh shit! I love it. Yeah, it's fun. All right, for sure, for Let's sure. We're here. Thank you so much again. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Good one. Uh, well, let's get to Cutty Corner shout out. Cutty Corner shout outs. Cutty Corner shout outs is the segment we end the show on where you get a chance to rant, complain, or call out something positive that's going on in your life. Something that's been on your mind, you've been thinking about, and you want to just get off your chest. This is an opportunity for you to have that. So, Cutty Corner shout outs. Cutty Corner shout outs. It's, it's, it's time. Aaron, do you have a Cutty Corner shout out? My Cutty Corner shout out is good news for the world. My Cutty Corner shout out goes out to Phil Spector and him being dead. This is going to be a positive Cutty Corner shout out. My my positive Cutty Corner shout out goes out to Satan and whoever somehow got Phil Spector to be dead. The world is a better place whenever you're not sharing oxygen with a person like him. The guy who's known for writing the Righteous Brother hits. Then I love those songs, right? But do not love Phil Spector and everything he created. He created that wall of sound is what he called him when he, when he had the percussion and the instruments all playing up to like this really high-end stereo sound in a small room. And he's done things like when the Beatles Let It Be album, the song, the whatever album they had Let It Be on, whoever person they stole their music from uh, and they were having a hard time with that album, couldn't get it produced, couldn't get some of the production done. They were fighting, infighting, among other things. Phil Spector came in and balled on it. But that that doesn't take place from the man being walking evil. I don't believe in a death penalty, but I do believe in people no longer breathing who shouldn't be breathing. People who shoot innocent women in a house. Her name was Lana Clarkson. He comes in, shoots her in the mouth, and then tries to say, I just told her to kiss the gun. I think I accidentally shot her, but then try to maintain your innocence and say she committed suicide. That's how much of a shitty person you are. Phil Spector, I hope that you and Satan are down in hell and you created that wall of sound and it's playing off of the fire that's on the side of you. You know, hell isn't bad enough. The hell that you read in the Bible isn't bad enough for a person like Phil Spector. You know what? He needs to be in that special part of hell where Trump's going to be, Hitler's going, Hitler's there, Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. Oh, Grover from Sesame Street, that special one that they all in. That's the one that Phil Spector needs to be in. Maybe one day I might be there. I might be right outside that special part. And I'm going to say, hey, you know what? Just put me in there so I can make sure this motherfucker is having the uh, horrible time of his life. Th- th- there isn't enough. COVID could not have hurt him as much. And I feel sorry for everyone who has lost their family and loved ones or people they know to COVID. You know, it's been really hard. It's been sad. It's a hard time. I wanted it to be a long, slow process. I wanted to hear that he had COVID for two years and that he was slowly, he couldn't taste nothing, couldn't see nothing. Like, where's the nurse? Where's the nurse for misery when we need her? He should have been in the hospital getting bamboo chunks stuck in each and one of his fingernails. So fuck Spill Spelsker. That's all I got to say. F- fuck who? Phil Spector. <laughs> he said I had, I had spit in my mouth. Pedro, do you have a Cutty Corner shout out? My um, Cutty Corner 
Shout out goes to Privilege, um, as we've seen a couple of weeks ago, I guess now, it's Capitol Hill. And, but I'm going to talk about something that's personal to me, uh, my workspace and where I'm at and how the man that paved the way for me to get there, how he got all his riches and how he got to where he can, uh, I got to be careful because I don't want to get fired yet. But how he got to, you know, where he was at. And it's from the stories that he told us personally himself. You know, he was awarded to run a company. And the privilege that he used to run that company, um, it's funny how, and he's not the only one, but funny how these guys with this large capital, these, they are born into wealth, how they share it amongst the top, you know, the top 1% or whatever it is. It's probably not the top 1%, but he's, you know, he's, he's rich, you know. Not calling these people are also hard workers. Don't, please don't let this, get this confused. All you privileged people that work hard, I understand your, 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 your point. We work hard and you do hard work and you, you're, great, you're raised on a farm, but you're raised on land that was stolen and you benefit from it. So so I need you to, even though you got the land from, it wasn't you, it was your forefathers. You got the land from your forefathers. You need to mine your land. You need to mine your business. And I mean mind your business. I mean, take care of the people that, that are taking care of their families. Put them in the safest and possible position as you can, as you can get. If you own a business, you do not have the privilege to not answer the phone. <laughs> okay? That if you own a business, something's going down, you have to answer the phone. It's your business. It's not my business. And for him to throw that off on somebody pissed me off so bad that I'm going to make a national announcement right here on this show. You will see Captain P-Funk own his own truck. There will be no more white people telling me what to do and when to do it. I'm going to make my own decision. I don't want the white people that are rich that are brokers telling me what to do. I'm tired of silliness. I've been doing this for 23 years, people. 23. I know I look young and sexy. You probably think I did it for five years. But no, I've been doing this for 23 years. And has nothing changed. I've been fighting with these privileged white dudes all this time for not minding their business. I don't care if you have the capitalist uh, growth and you can, you made a business. You always need you always need to be there with your business. You don't put it off on other people. So now that you're putting it off on me, I'm gonna make a change. Yeah, and that nigga owe me five dollars. Yeah, my cutty corner shout out goes out to the the MAGA lovers or the people who are on the conspiracy path to justify the DC attempted coup, insurrection, whatever you want to call it, the riots and the thuggery that occurred by exclaiming that Antifa snuck in and uh, instigated all the violent acts so that they could then take away from the actual cause of the original protests. Uh, a teacher at a school this week a substitute teacher, mind you, <laughs> got <laughs> lost their contract with the ch charter schools that they were working at because they were arguing first period to the students that Antifa had infiltrated. Wow. 
the DC riots in protest. Um, I must say this. See, see how crazy it got? Wow. Yeah. Now I understand. <laughs> now I Thank understand. <laughs> I understand that Antifa. <laughs> I understand that Antifa. Uh, you know, might have you know might have set up Sam Cooke and got him assassinated, and might have you know put out the hit on Malcolm X. But they for sure <laughs> wasn't the only ones creating white violence and uh, obscene behavior at the Capitol last week, if they were even in there. Because I saw them attacking a, a, a photographer who had credentials and was trying to just document the thing because they, for some reason, thought he was Antifa. And so he had to be escorted out by people who also uh, were there pro-MAGA, but were like, hey, we don't want to see you get beat up. So there was people who weren't there for violence. I'm not, I'm not saying that the entire protest and behavior was, was, was instigated for that, but it feels really bad when when if you were if you believe in something it gets painted with a broad brush especially when people don't take it seriously or don't see the value in it and, and, and it's really it's really fun to see people who come from a privilege like pedro saying a privileged background uh, whether your privilege is economic your privilege is racial cultural or your privilege is just being part of the status quo in the dominant class and thought mindset being not taken seriously and being you know painted with a broad brush and you may believe in MAGA, but you also have to understand that we've been saying that his, that this MAGA rhetoric comes with a precedence of white violence and white supremacy. It comes with a precedence of it because that's how it was sustained. That's how it was established, maintained, and sustained in this country. So before you try and say your movement is not white supremacist and pro, you know what I'm saying, violence, understand the foundations of this country was built off of violent acts and violent insurrection violent colonization and violent maintenance of that and violent legislation to then distance themselves from the actual violent acts that occurred. So stop trying to blame other people. One of the main issues why our country is struggling the way it is is because people are not taking personal responsibility and as a country we are not taking our collective responsibility uh, to deal with the issues that are at hand and that have been present, that are ever present. That's what I was expecting. Myself. I was like, man, because I like period pieces like that. 42. Anytime I hear a Jay-Z song in some old red tail movie or something, it just pisses me off. Like, mm. you know, don't play me no Jay-Z. I don't need it to tie into the world now. I mean, you know, there's so many themes that could tie into now. You don't need the song to tie in. Right. Mm. Yeah. Let the youngsters look at it and really think about how the world was moving in, not how and how it relates to now without not just because Jay-Z and the rapping some song. <laughs> So I was so happy for that. I'm happy that was not nothing. Unless you guys surprise me, is did a Jay Z song come in the last? You, 30 you minutes, better 35? wait. Jay Z himself shows up as Jay Z. Jay Z show <laughs> up. I don't know. Jay Z. If that's the case, I might as well go on Best Buy now and order me a TV because I'm gonna break mine before the day over. For the day over. He's wearing a number seven Black Sox jersey. <laughs> exactly. He gonna show up. Jay Z show up with some Satchel Page jersey. He'll show up with the Kaepernick jersey on. Ruin everything got going for it. 
<laughs> man, I made this period piece. It got Jay-Z in it. And then Common comes on and he, he like really explains oh what we're doing. Oh <laughs> the God. black man. Can I just say, I got a problem someone... with Common. I'm so mad. I'm fed up with Common. Common. Jared was... wants his sad card pulled. Pull that Negro's card because I'm tired of him. Like he was like, man, I'm glad he made it. He's doing his thing. But for him to be like, doing his music and have such esteem within you know the black community and they'd be like i need to make it in hollywood so bad i'm willing to play a bouncer on nbc's version of the oz uh, or the wind <laughs> just literally be a bouncer for five minutes on the play they commons in it or to, or, or to be in the uh the joker oh wait was it the, the suicide, yeah, suicide movie and be no, like i don't yeah. know if i want to sleep with your girl man oh you gonna kill me now all right deuces yeah, he died I'm pretty like, quick he died like, pretty why quick. are you taking these roles Stop my thing is yeah these roles. let, let another brother that. get that yeah let another brother <laughs> who's trying to get who needs some acting credits get that role man find you a job <laughs> on one of them shows like l cool j or ice t got where you could just be a reoccurring role with make a, a lot of money no, that's, that's that's the reno those those jobs are the reno of <laughs> of hollywood like that's your the last UPN, stop the upn jobs on <laughs> a reno <laughs> that's the reno i mean oh, what, what ice cube is doing is like i mean ice t is doing that's that's the reno of hollywood like but he's been there for like 10 years exactly you no, can be reno, in reno for, for 10 like years too years. you know <laughs> like, you could be you know, don ho some people perform uh, like siegfried and roy in vegas for forever exactly nothing bad to say about comedy he made water for chocolate and he also got worn off in office <laughs> Wait, who? The worn off? Did I say that right? No. Nope. You know you uh -oh. didn't. Where, oh. uh, where's that sound? This magic moment. <laughs> <laughs> who was it? Warnock. Warnock, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Warnock. Warnock, and I'm thinking of Aus I'm, I'm mixing the names together. Osoff. Osoff. He went Warnock. Wow, Warnock and oh, wow. he so, divided up to one person. I'm, but uh, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not gonna uh, say anything bad about Common. No, great album. I want to just point out that Pedro picked a common album from 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Not, not, not it's, it's, <laughs> it's still playing, still sounding to me. It is. He has done a lot of things since then, including being the bouncer on this television. He show. was the bouncer <laughs> on, like, on the Wiz. Man, he's on like, you can't get in here, man. And I was like, <laughs> that all you doing? Like, you're not like they needed big names for the Wiz Live. They needed big names. All right. Well, they think he could have he could have been like, you know, I I want to be a part of this, but I don't want to be a common ass bouncer. And that's what you got me playing. A so. common ass, ass bouncer. Exactly. And his common name is common. <laughs> <laughs>